You're listening to the Every Student, Every Day podcast with me, Jim Franchini, Superintendent of the Averill Park Central School District. Welcome to this episode of the Every Student, Every Day podcast. Uh, as the calendar for the school year winds down, uh, we really look into um, having to do our hiring for the upcoming year. And it is quite a process for us. Uh, we do really uh, spend a lot of time trying to make sure that we attract and hire the right uh, folks here in the district. Um, so it is a big endeavor for us. And we've been very fortunate to have that work led by our Director of Personnel Development. Uh, Kim Nugent's been with us now for a few years. And we thought we'd have her on the podcast just to talk to our listeners about uh, some of the positions that are out there and ways to get involved or maybe become part of the district if they're looking for that type of opportunity. We're obviously very proud of the work we do and we think it's great work working with students on a regular basis and uh, very rewarding and fulfilling. So we think maybe uh, some people out there might be interested in how do you become a member of the school district as an employee. So Kim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. So Kim, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do here in the district, how long you've been here, and kind of your role for pe so people have an idea of, of your job here in the school district. Okay. Um, well, uh, as you said, I've been here now for four years um, as a director of personal development. Um, just a little bit about me. I actually uh, changed careers what feels like a million years ago. I started my career in the private sector and decided I wanted to get into teaching. Um, in order to do that, I became a teaching assistant um, at another school district. That, And while I was a teaching assistant, I was getting my master's degree in secondary education. And I went on to become a teacher, taught seventh and eighth grade social studies. I then uh, ended up working at BOCES for a little bit, doing data coaching, landed as an assistant director of human resources, and now I'm the director of personnel here at the district. Um, so I've gone through, I guess, the instructional career path myself. Um, and, you know, I view my job here as my role is to serve the kids by making sure the employees have what they need, because if the employees have what they need, then they can be their best for our students. Um, you know, so that my role is you know, pretty diverse with a lot of different areas. So hiring, of course, um, is a very important part of our role. Um, often in a school district, you're making, in, in some cases, a 30-year commitment to a, a new employee. So you wanna make sure you have a strong process to find the best candidates for your vacancies. Um, you know, we do onboarding, we manage employee benefits, we, you know, manage employee leaves. Um, you know, at times, employee discipline, if necessary, that's not something we like to do, uh, but it is part of the job. But again, the ultimate goal is to make sure that the kids have the best grown-ups here in the school district. Yeah, that's uh, very true. And we're fortunate. The position is relatively new for us. Uh, Kim is the first person to serve in this capacity here. And we really uh, feel like we hit the jackpot because we're looking for someone with human resources experience, but also someone who understood schools and the education system because there are so many things that make the uh, education world a little bit more uh, uh, complex and a little bit unique. 
So we were fortunate that Kim uh, applied to us, had the not just teaching experience, but HR assistant director experience, and really has done um, a nice job for us here. So as we as we talk about um, becoming a member of the district, there's a few different areas you can do that, right? We obviously have our instructional employees, we have non-instructional employees, we have people coming in through non-traditional pathways, we have people coming in through civil service. So we thought we'd kind of break that down for people a little bit and start um, kind of going through them one by one. So from an instructional point of view, what are like the the basic traditional career paths? The probably the career path path that the majority, the vast majority, of our teachers have gone through. Can you kind of talk to people about what that looks like? Sure. I think you know the traditional path would be, um, you know, if we take a new teacher, for instance, you know, they've gone through an undergraduate program, um, they've done a student teaching experience. They get a bachelor's degree, they get a teaching certification, um, and then New York State does require that everyone, all our teaching staff does have to have a master's degree and they have a certain number of years, I believe it's five years to get their master's degree. Um, so that's that's a traditional path for a brand new teacher. Um, you know, as I described, I and a lot of people also will do this pathway where they'll maybe do something else and then they get a master's degree this master's degree has a student teaching experience component of that, and they get a teacher certification, um, and then hopefully you know apply for teaching jobs. That pathway at least allows someone to come into a position and not have to worry about getting their master's degree and working because you know that that is a requirement of New York State, and you know that's up to the employee or the teacher to figure out how they're going to get that done um, within the you know time frame of New York State. So I guess that would be the most traditional path way for you know a new teacher. Um, I do find here at Averill Park, we are pretty fortunate that a lot of our applicants come to us with teaching experience. So they may have worked at another district and, and they're, you know, we put a posting out, they have an interest in joining our district. So we've been pretty fortunate in a lot of cases where we've been able to attract experienced teachers who come in to us as new employees. Um, which is obviously great for our students um, that they come in with that knowledge already. Thanks, Kim. That is uh, that is all very good information, and I think you're you hit the nail on the head. We are very fortunate with the candidates that we attract. Uh, I think you know, we are a very attractive district to people who are either looking to get in teaching or who, in some cases, are in other districts and are looking to come uh, work here. So that is that is a really good point. Sticking with the instructional side. What type of shortages do you typically see throughout the year? What are some of those positions that are simply just harder to recruit people for? There's just less of them out there. What, what are some of those areas? Um, you know, I think unfortunately uh, our district and a lot of districts are seeing an increase in special education needs. So special education tends to be a hard to fill area, particularly at the 612 level. Um, Along with special ed, there's a lot of related services such as speech or OTPT, um, nursing at times, psychologists, social workers. Um, those can often be hard to fill as well. Um, I think schools are competing with a lot of other areas for those types of positions. So it makes sometimes more of a challenge to find people. Um, 
you know, secondary math and science tends to be a hard to find area as well, along with foreign language and um, technology. Secondary technology is some, very hard to fill at times. So I think those tend to be the biggest shortage areas and it's not unique to us. This is, you know, statewide shortage. And so a lot of school districts are dealing with um, these vacancies that sometimes can't be filled. Yeah, absolutely. I know you sit in meetings, I'm in, in meetings as well. And we're all kind of sharing stories about how to recruit and track hands, especially in these areas. Um, they're certainly hard to find. That's kind of a nice segue to my next question, which involves non-traditional career paths. I know myself, um, I did not go to school, to an education school and come into the field in that manner. I uh, came in through a program called Teach for America, which took uh, people who were not education majors. And that was kind of my pathway in that I went through an alternate route program and then got certified in New York State when I uh, moved uh, from New Jersey to New York. What are some of those other non-traditional career paths that are out there uh, that you're aware of and that we utilize here? I think the biggest one that we utilize here um, is in the CTE. Uh, we're fortunate to have an in-house CTE program, you know, to provide auto, auto shop and also carpentry um, or construction experience to our high school students who are interested. And in those roles in a CTE, um, which is career and technical education, in those types of roles, um, there is a pathway for folks who have experience in the trades and who might have an interest in teaching. So, you know, for instance, we recently hired a carpentry teacher that has carpentry experience. And while, you know, he doesn't have a traditional um, teaching certificate, he was able to get what's called a transitional A certificate. So, you know, state ed ha is a, has allowed for folks with experience to uh, pursue a, a certification pathway, um, you know, which is a different route than, you know, that, that undergrad I described earlier. Um, I know state ed is trying to open up pathways for other types of positions. Um, you know, people that have maybe a wealth of business experience and, you know, other areas that might benefit students, um, but they haven't gone through that traditional um, certification pathway. So I know that's an area state ed is working on and hopefully it will continue to improve so that maybe some of those shortage areas will be areas that people can come in through a different way who have experience and knowledge and, and can get that teaching certification. That's great. So a lot of opportunities and a lot of ways to get there, different ways to get there, uh, where you can really use your experience and your education as a combination. So our administrators were usually some form of a teacher. Can you talk to us a little about how people get into administration and sort of what are some of those vertical pathways uh, for teachers or educators to move into administration? You know, so I think the the kind of the typical vertical pathway would be a teacher who wants, you know, who becomes an assistant principal and then becomes principal. Um, so, but to do that, it, it does require a lot of work, and I don't know if people always appreciate that. So, 
like I stated earlier, you know, a, a brand new teacher has to get a master's degree. So the administrators have done all that. They've gotten, you know, their teaching certificate, they've gotten a master's degree. But then what they've also decided to do, and, and I can speak personally to this because I did it myself, is, and, and Jim, I'm sure you did as well, but you also have to, now you have to go back to school to get these additional certifications. So you're, you know, you're in most cases working full time and some folks have a family and, and now they're also going to back to school to get essentially another master's degree or two, you know, so they can move on to um, what's called an SBL certification, which is school building leader. And then there's also an SDL certification, which is a school district leader certification. Um, so, you know, it does require a degree of work and, you know, people do that and then they are able to move into these other positions. Um, so, like I said, you know, it could be a teacher becomes assistant principal, they, they then become a principal. But there's a lot of, a lot of other administrative opportunities in school districts. Um, you know, we have an athletic director who manages our athletic program. We have, you know, a director of special education that oversees our special education department. Um, in bigger districts, there tend to be a uh, department or, you know, curriculum directors, you know, for instance, a, dis a bigger district might have a K-12 math supervisor or a or K-12, you know, English supervisor. So, um, you know, there's other departmental type of opportunities, um, of course, district level administration. So your superintendent, assistant superintendents, positions like mine. So there's certainly opportunities for people that are interested in pursuing administrative opportunities and it doesn't always have to be the traditional principal position i personally knew i didn't you know my interest wasn't necessarily in being a principal but i knew i wanted to go into administration so you know there's really opportunities for people that that are interested in you know learning more about the operations of a school district um you know our business our assistant superintendent for business um, oftentimes those folks are teachers and, you know, maybe they're a business teacher or a math teacher and, and that's their strength and, and this is an area they're interested in going into as well. So, so there's a lot of, there are a lot of opportunities for those folks that want to, you know, grow their career into the administrative realm. Yes, many opportunities. And as you said, they kind of work hand in hand. So a lot of times our special education teachers will move into a director of special education or a, a PE teacher will go through and become an athletic director. So there's some natural uh, pathways there as well. So we talked about the positions that are kind of harder to recruit for. On the other end, we have positions that are a little more popular in terms of the number of graduates coming out. And we might have people here either who are in process of getting uh, an education degree or have a child of their own or a relative who is thinking about it or going through it. How how can you make yourself more marketable for some of those positions that there are just more candidates that exist? Mm -hmm. Well, I think if you're in an area where um, you're able to, to get a dual certification or in some cases a triple certification, I do think that can help. You know, um, an example would be a, a, a PE teacher who has a health certification as well. Um, um, an elementary teacher who has a literacy certification, or we often see elementary teachers that have literacy and special ed. So, you know, it just broadens your 
experience. Um, certainly in the case of elementary, I think it gives people a bigger toolbox to work with, you know, strategies to help kids. Um, and I think that especially for people that are really new to the field, um, you know, my, my advice would be, you know, don't give up, but if you can't find a probationary position, take a leave position. Um, because that, even though it's, you know, maybe it's only going to be six months or maybe it's a whole year and, and you don't know what the future holds, but at least it gives you experience because we find when we're able to, ex to interview candidates that have experience and can talk to, you know, experience that they have, you know, things they have done firsthand with kids in the classroom, it just, it just, um, makes you that much more, I think, attractive to an employer um, versus someone who maybe they did some student teaching, but they didn't actually manage their own classroom. Um, also, subbing is a really great opportunity if, for, if people can't find a job right away. Get involved in subbing. Again, I think it's twofold. It gives you some experience, but it also gets you seen and known, you know, at, at various school districts so that you know, if they come, if there is a vacancy and you apply, you, you're a known quantity and, you know, it potentially gives an advantage to unknown candidates. Um, so I guess that would be my, my advice to folks who are, you know, looking for positions. That's very good advice. Thank you. Switching gears to the non-instructional side, what are some of the positions that are out there uh, in the non-instructional world? Um, there's a lot of opportunities on the non-instructional side that people might not always be aware of, um, you know, clerical positions, uh, teacher aides, of course, school monitors, food service positions such as cooks or food service helpers, um, bus drivers and attendants, custodial maintenance staff. I don't, you know, it's, I guess we have to think of the school as a system and of course the teaching and learning is most important, but we need all these other things to make sure the teaching and learning can happen. Um, and then along the lines, we talked earlier about administration, administration, there could also be career paths on the non-instructional side. You know, for example, we have a transportation supervisor that worked his way up from being a mechanic. And we have a director of facilities that worked his way up from being, you know, a maintenance mechanic. So, you know, there's certainly opportunities to grow a career um, in a school district you know, for people that are doing the other, you know, important jobs in the school district. As a follow-up to that, how does the civil service system work? I know that's a requirement for many of our positions and it's kind of foreign to, to many people. So can you kind of talk talk people through the uh, civil service process as well? Sure. What's interesting is about a school district is that we are actually all civil servants. Um, we are there's two types of civil servants there's classified and unclassified so those of us who have teaching or administrative certifications are actually unclassified civil servants the classified civil servants are the ones that i think people more traditionally think of civil service so um there's there's a couple different types there's a there's a non-competitive civil service position so for example if it's a non-competitive position you need you, you pretty much need a high school diploma. You don't need experience. So for instance, if someone's interested in being a teacher aide or a food service helper 
or um, a custodial worker, you know, those folks um, can, you know, apply for a job and get interviewed. And, you know, if it's a good fit, they could be hired. And then there's also competitive positions in civil service. And those positions, you must meet certain minimum qualifications that are established by civil service. Um, if you meet those minimum qualifications, you then have to at some point sign up for a test, but you can't sign up for the test if you don't meet the qualifications. And then um, once a test is offered, you have to be reachable on a list, um, which is typically the top three scores on a list. Um, so just to give an example, you know, in our, in our, in our district, a custodial worker is a non-competitive position. So someone could, who's interested in that could be hired, get experience working as a custodial worker. And then a custodian is a little bit different position. In order to be a custodian, that's a competitive position. So you would have to have at least one year of building, cleaning, or maintenance experience to be able to be considered for a custodian position. So again, from a um, kind of a vertical standpoint, someone who starts here as a custodial worker could work here for a year or two as a custodial worker, get experience as a custodial worker in you know, building cleaning and maintenance, and then decide, well, I'm interested in you know, getting on a list to be a custodian. So they could sign up to take a test, they have the experience, and then if custodian opportunities open up, not just here, but really in anywhere in Rensselaer County, they would be on a list and they would be able to be considered for those types of positions. So, you know, it's a it's a good opportunity for someone to get their foot in a door if, you know, there, there's an area they might be interested in and then kind of work up through the system if that's something they're interested in as well. Thank you. Again, very helpful information, I think, to kind of clarify and demystify the process a little bit. So you mentioned uh, earlier subbing and how it's a benefit to get into a district if you're a teacher looking for a job. We always encourage people to become a substitute in various positions, not just teaching or if you're looking to get into a, spe a specific district or to land a teaching job. Is, is this a good way to get a taste of a position and potentially turn it into a full-time position down the road within a school district. So if you're someone who, for example, is in our community and you're thinking, hey, maybe I want to work in a school district or maybe I want to work in a certain area, you know, in a, in a food service area, work in a kitchen or in a classroom as a monitor or an aide, or there's just so many different options. Is that a good way to kind of get established and get your foot in the door? Yeah, absolutely. I think subbing is great for the substitute, you know, the, the, the person who wants to substitute. And I, it's also a great opportunity for the district. Um, I think subbing allows someone, uh, first of all, a lot of flexibility. So if, you know, say you're maybe you're retired and, you know, you're looking for something that you want to do, but maybe you don't want to commit to five days a week. Maybe you only want to work three days a week. You know, subbing is something that would allow you to do that. Um, I think it's also a way, as you're saying, to try out different things. So if you have an interest in food service, maybe you sign up to be a sub in food service. If you have an interest in being a teacher aide, you, you can sign up for those types of opportunities. Um, we have uh, custodial and bus driving and bus attendants. You know, we're always looking for subs. We're always looking for good subs. Um, 
you know, but I think it's, it allows you to try different roles. So you might try food service and think, no, this is not for me. You might try teacher aid and say, wow, I really like being a teacher aid. Um, so it gives you to try, an opportunity to try things on. And then it also gives the opportunity, the district, the opportunity to get to know you as well. So um, many of our permanent employees on the both instructional and non-instructional side have spent time here as a substitute. And, you know, you know, and sometimes if a position opens up and someone's been working here and likes the environment, likes the people, you know, they might apply for that permanent teacher aid position or maybe, you know, bus driving position or custodial position. And, you know, if, if a sub's been doing a great job for us, as much as we don't want to lose a sub, we also want to gain a great employee. So, you know, it really can help, you know, everybody to try things on and, you know, see what might be a good fit. Absolutely. I think we've had a lot of people who have done just that, like you said, they've, they've gotten in, gotten their foot in the door, become comfortable and acclimated, realized it's a, a nice opportunity and works well for them and, and their lot of their life. And it's, it works out great. So if you were, uh, you know, at a job fair or recruiting event, what is your sort of elevator speech for selling someone about joining the school district? What are some of those reasons that you kind of have about why this is a good place to work and or a good career? What are some of the, th the highlights that you would give someone real quick? Well, I think first and foremost, you know, it gives people an opportunity to work with kids. And, you know, in working with kids, you you just don't know. I mean, you can, for all you know, make a real a difference in a kid's life. And, you know, it's really important. Although I don't work with kids, I do view my position as helping kids, you know. So I think that's first and foremost why it's great to work in a school district. But I think it's, you know, the, the schedule, a school district schedule is great. Um, you know, most of our positions are 10 month positions. So people have their summers off. Um, if you're a parent with school age children, you're on your kid's schedule as far as start and end times and nights and weekends. So, you know, I think it's great for, you know, families. Um, obviously we participate in, you know, the New York state pension system, whether it's the teacher's retirement or the employee's retirement system. So, you know, if you join the district in any capacity, this is even in a subbing capacity, you have the right to join one of the retirement systems. And if you, you know, do that, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, say you're home from college and you're working here for the summer, you can join the retirement system so that in a few years, if you were to get a, a job at New York State, you would already be in the retirement system, even though you worked here, let's say when you're 18 years old, you know, helping out in the summer. So, it's a great opportunity to get into the system. Um, you know, the for full-time positions, we offer really great, you know, health, dental, and vision benefits. Um, you know, so I think there's a lot of benefits to working in a school district that you may not see out in the private sector. Um, you know, so that's definitely a lot of the points I like to highlight to, you know, encourage people to come join us. Yeah, it really is. It's a great career. It's a great place to work and uh, really some nice opportunities for people. Uh, finally, Kim, if someone has kind of been intrigued a little bit and they are interested, what's the best way to find a job or find an opening or contact someone? 
Um, well, we have uh, on our Averill Park website, there is a link to our human resources um, webpage. Uh, you could certainly reach out to myself um, you know, or my assistant, Deb Weaver, via email, telephone. Um, for those of you looking for instructional opportunities, we post on OLAS, which is a system that a lot of school districts use to post educational jobs. Um, so we have a, a email address called applications at apcsd.org. Um, if anyone ever has questions, they could certainly reach out. We're happy to talk to folks about what opportunities we may have available. Well, thank you. That's good information. And I think hopefully uh, our listeners have a better idea of sort of your role, how we um, how they can get involved in a school district, processes that we kind of go through and follow. And if they're interested, maybe a way to uh, contact us if they think there's a possibility that there's a match between what they're looking to do and what we have to offer. So thank you. We appreciate this. We know this is a busy time of year as uh, we start to look forward again to the following year and filling positions and, and all sorts of personnel movement within the district. So thank you for joining us and uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. See you next time on Every Student, Every Day.